Hello and welcome back to the Clark Greater Manchester podcast. My name is Ben Kappa and in this episode we're discussing how applied research can help to tackle one of the biggest challenges in the NHS, how to integrate workforces across multiple health and social care partners. The team at Clark Greater Manchester has recently published the evaluation report for a project exploring this area, the Manchester Integration or MINT project. Clark partnered with the Manchester Local Care Organisation, a public sector partnership including four key providers, Manchester City Council, Manchester University NHS Foundation Trust, Greater Manchester Mental Health NHS Foundation Trust and the Manchester Primary Care Partnership. The project explored the process of delivering integrated community-based health and social care services in Greater Manchester in an environment of ever-increasing demand and sometimes scarce resources. So what did the project tell us about workforce integration? What challenges or opportunities did it uncover? And what key learning can all healthcare providers and commissioners learn from the project to help them to deliver better, more joined up care to patients and service users in the future? Well, for this episode, I was delighted to be joined by two people who could help to answer some of these questions. Principal investigator Claire Mitchell and academic lead Damien Hodgson. And I started with asking Damien about the background to the project. Okay, um, the the project has... Um... We, we were aware for the, across Manchester, but also across across um, the rest of uh, England, the UK, that uh, the issue of integration is is increasingly central. It's seen as one of the the key ways in which issues broadly around sustainability of, of health and social care, about the fragmentation of health and social care, um, is going to be uh, is going to be addressed. So there are a lot of efforts being put in across the country um, and a lot of support at a um, national level and a regional level in terms of policy initiatives to try and ensure that integration uh, takes place and does so to, uh, to provide better care uh, more efficiently and with a better connection to localities and to the, uh, the neighbourhoods in which care is delivered. We were really pleased to have the opportunity to do some work to look at how integration happens in practice, the the real challenges faced in integrating health and social care, um, and to work with our partners to try and develop ways forward to try and improve how this can be delivered. Fantastic. And so, Claire, from your point of view, how did you end up being the principal investigator on this project? What was it that interested you in this one? Yes, so I have a background in healthcare, and I've then gone into research. And this was an amazing opportunity for me to work more closely with Damien and the rest of his team to do some qualitative research, which I was um, really interested in, in delving a lot more into the whole process of integration. So it was a really nice opportunity to get involved still with health care, but just looking at it from a different perspective. So it's been a, a really interesting project. Brilliant. So tell me a bit about the sort of the stages of the project, because it was there was a couple of different methods and a couple of different stakeholders and key sort of um, types of people that you spoke to. It was very much frontline up to strategic level, wasn't it? That's right. The project itself, we were able to talk to people at a strategic level and an operational level. And we really wanted to get that full perspective of different opinions. And we were also really keen on making sure we had equal numbers of health and social care staff interviewed in the process so that we could get a really true picture of how it affected both these different professional groups. Okay. And sort of how many interviews were were conducted then across the two sort of main sort of audience types? 
Okay, so we did 24 interviews in total. Six of those were at a strategic level and the rest were operational staff. So we had a variety of locations and a variety of teams that we wanted to talk to. So we made sure we got a good spread across the area and uh, within within each team we also got a good spread of experience um, and different professional groups. And were you asking kind of different things of those two groups then? Were you asking quite specific things of the strategic level people to the delivery professionals or was it a bit of a was it a different approach you took? No we we wanted to ask quite similar questions so it was very much semi-structured the interview went with um, the conversation but we had some key things we wanted to try and get to the bottom of one of the main things was we wanted to find out a little bit more about the context where the process had started and where it was at at the time point but we also wanted to find out about the enablers and the barriers and the challenges that people were facing at this very particular time point in terms of integration and the teams coming together. And it was actually the actual project was very much focused on sort of community delivery as well, wasn't it? So was was that sort of interview process, was that quite tricky to manage? Because obviously you're dealing with people across multiple organisations in multiple working patterns and things. Was that quite a hard thing to do? In some ways, you're trying to get this good spread of experience and different professional groups. So we had to work quite hard at going out and meeting with people and making it convenient for them, going to their place of work and making sure that we could fit in around their work patterns. But actually, we people seem very keen to get involved in talking to us and that made our job a lot easier. I think what's what's interesting is what you find in, in conducting the research is that many of the challenges that the organisations face with integration are also faced by researchers in terms of where are people and moving from different locations. So the coordination that that is a challenge within the, an integrated organisation is similar for the uh, the researcher trying to navigate their way through the organisation too. Interesting then. And so what then from that process, those 24 interviews across a strategic and a, and a, and a frontline level. What, the, what were the key things that, that we learned from that experience? I think the key thing is integration is complicated. Um, I think it might be worth Damien just talking a little bit about definition of integration at this point. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah, because um, it is um, even understanding what was meant by integration is, is quite a challenge right from the start. Um, we we did a, um, a rapid literature review and brought together the evidence around this. Um, and within that, we, it's quite evident that um, quite often when people talk about integration, they talk about very different things, often kind of mutually exclusive things. So it's important to think about integration in various different ways. Uh, I think it's helpful to think about integration in terms of there's, there's a structural element to, to integration about organisations coming together. There's also um, a kind of interpersonal element as well. So there's a relational element as well. Um, and these two things are um, often go hand in hand, but you may look to build a, build integration through deepening relationships without a structural reorganisation. So they don't necessarily have to go hand in hand. And you can also say that integration happens often through trying to align 
pathways so through a process where so there's different ways of understanding integration so one of the earlier challenges was to work out what kind of integration are we looking at here and and what was that integration we were looking at then because uh, on that basis the, the, the partner organization or the partner sort of the partner the partner partnership if i can put it like that <laughs> what was their understanding of integration and what was the initial thing that they were really looking for in that respect we were able to look at a whole system integration so this was integration of community services of health and social care and this was not just a team integrating this this was the whole organization integrating so health and social care coming together working together and eventually moving to co-location and the same employer basically right okay so it was very much around making it feel like it's a single entity in a single organisation. That's right. And so what were the main challenges that you found around that then? Because you're talking for organisations, but you're also talking local authority and NHS people coming together. And you said, it's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) What were the main complications you found as a result of that study then? So one of the key aspects that was a hindrance to integration were the organisational level factors. And I think there was a real understanding from all the people that we spoke to that they knew it was complicated. They understood the complexity involved and that it wasn't as straightforward as just merging everyone together. They were picking up on things like different annual leave entitlements, different HR systems, that uh, some members of staff used a computer login system for certain aspects where other people were much more pen and paper based. So they really understood the complexities involved in integration. And I guess what was useful for us was picking up on some of the day-to-day aspects that then hindered them coming together as a team and what might affect the frontline staff performing their everyday delivery of care services. So that was really useful. And, you know, a big part of that was about building trust and relationships. So even though it's an organisational level barrier, actually the bottom line is people being able to come together, to work together really closely, understand each other's um, own professional uh, regulations and boundaries and needs and being able to deliver services well to the individuals that they're serving. So there's quite a lot in there around the kind of the structural aspects of integration, policies and IT and and working patterns and I guess budgets to some degree as well. Did you uncover anything interesting around anything sort of less tangible, any more cultural things? It's almost like the desire and the will to integrate. Did you find that was a challenge or did you find that that was something that was you know, uncovered during the process? Absolutely. So the research that we've looked at does highlight the shared vision and plan for integration as being a really key part of the success of integration. And actually, we were overwhelmingly surprised by the fact that everybody we spoke to from strategic to operational level across health and social care, across all levels of experience, were really on board with the vision for integration. They really understood what the intended purpose was for the people that received health and social care. And they really understood what the benefits would be for for staff delivery of care as well. So it was it was from all perspectives. So they really understood it. And even when we had situations where people felt 
this was something that was happening to them. This was a government level initiative that they were having to deliver on. They were still appreciative of the um, the likely benefits to the individuals. So we, we got a very strong message about the vision, actually, didn't we? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It was quite striking. You know, you do lots of research, and when you have 24 interviews, it's it's highly unlikely you know, 24 people saying something similar and saying it genuinely, not just parroting kind of messages. But the fact they could they could all articulate very clearly a very similar idea of what what they meant by this mm-hmm. and could say very clearly what this would mean. I thought yeah. that was really striking. Yeah. Yeah, and I think maybe we should sort of say what that was because really, people were very clear that those receiving services of health and social care should find that they're having to repeat themselves a lot less, that they have an individual person that guides them through the process. It's a more streamlined process, that they're not being endlessly referred on to different professionals, that that professional will know their situation and will bring in other relevant professionals as they see fit. So they were all very clear that that should really improve the experience for the individual and it should improve their ability to deliver care at the right time point for that individual. Um, And I think as well, maybe we should, at this point, when we're talking about the vision, talk about the prevention agenda as well. So there was a real understanding from everyone that we spoke to across the board that they understood it was about signposting people to services, to voluntary services. There was a real need to help people to self-care, to prevent hospital admissions. And also there was um, a real ethos around asset-based care and and people really understood that this was about tapping into the potential in each individual locality and really making sure that they were using all the varied opportunities that are different across different areas and enabling people to access those. So the so the challenge then is well the the good news of this then the challenge is more is more structural than cultural isn't it it feels like there is that shared vision and people are and you know it's fantastic that you were able to sort of uncover that and uncover it in a way that felt very genuine to the people you were talking to so what are the what are the sort of opportunities and sort of recommendations you're suggesting or from the um, from a more of a structural practical point of view. Um, well, I think actually thinking about that, while there was a lot of consistency about understanding the vision, um, there were still cultural differences, and, and that, that, that came through particularly between health and social care, but also within health between hospital and out of hospital care. So there were still divisions in there, and some of this were were quite, quite deep seated in terms of how we see. What is care? Uh, and this went down to, I think, one of the things which struck us and came back repeatedly is how do we refer, refer to the people who we're serving? Are they patients? Well, they aren't patients in social care. Um, so that was an inappropriate language. And they would, oh, they say service users. And some would say, well, just citizens. And even agreeing on a common language for the people um, was actually quite a quite a revealing kind of conversation because it told you a little bit about what um, how they approached the, the whole problem and the whole challenge of, of the uh, of the care they were delivering so so yeah so there were still cultural differences I think that was that's quite important to pick up um, and that fed through because if you've been trained in social care all your life and you worked there all your life then you've got a very clear idea of what your role is so that would be a longer term 
um, movement really to try and get beyond that or get understanding of other people's roles and how they see care and uh, health and care together. It was very much about that mutual understanding, wasn't it? When, when we're talking about the professional challenges, we were really intrigued that actually health and social care had exactly the same concerns about each other, <laughs> that they had real worries about each other understanding their responsibilities and their duties of care and that they didn't feel necessarily that they would be able to be managed by the other profession because they might not understand what was involved in their day-to-day work. So although they raised those as issues and challenges to integration, people were also very quick to come up with ideas about how that could be improved and how by carrying out joint working, by being co-located, by establishing trust, by understanding the intricacies of each other's profession and professional regulations, that they felt that could really improve integration, that they could work together and build those relationships. So, But it was about the understanding and that trust. Interesting. Okay. Um, Was anything unexpected or did you did you have any um pre i mean you're, you're researchers so you don't do preconceived ideas but it's um what did was there anything that really surprised you as a result of this work i think one of the things that i found really intriguing and i feel that it's something that we need to take forward with the partners was this real mismatch between what people were reporting us at a strategic level about leadership and what was being heard by people at an operational level. So we had this view from the strategic level that there was devolved leadership, that they they were really trying to embed this throughout the organisation, that there might be um, a leadership level, a higher level, but below that they were expecting operational staff to make decisions, to do things differently, to work differently, to, to really... Um, think about what was needed in their local environment and then act upon it. But we we found when we spoke to the operational level staff that they were very much saying they haven't sorted out the detail, they haven't made decisions about this, that and the other. So there was a real, a, a real sort of difference really between what was being said at one level and what was being heard at another level. And I think that's something that we have discussed with the partners about how maybe that could be taken forward because it seemed uh, something that that could potentially be changed and instead of being a challenge could become something much more productive um, but definitely an mm. interesting outcome absolutely yeah you, 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 there was a consistency wasn't there in the sense that there were people at the um, more operational level saying this we would like more devolved responsibility we'd like to make some choices here and there was a again similarly from from more strategic level saying um we really want to give people responsibility to take leadership with these things but somehow between those two positions it wasn't quite arriving. Um, and I think there are reasons for that. I think the fact that there's a lot of risk involved and, you know, they, they have duties to, uh, duties of care during the transition period. And so you can see that it needs, it's very important that whatever happens doesn't put patients or citizens or service users at risk. Um, and in that process, I think leadership is the, is the kind of, um, it's the knotty problem right at the heart of this, really. That's interesting. And I think it probably highlights another possible paradox here, which is the vision is integration, but we want to give people on at the front line 
decision-making process over how they work best for them. So how do they square that circle? Because that is, feels like two quite competing ideas. Yes, I think when we were interviewing people, there was a real sense that they didn't want integration to become a postcode lottery, that you didn't have a certain way of working in one place that was very different in another. So there was very much this feeling that however it looked, integration would have to be offering a similar approach and way of working. So people receiving whatever care it was, that they would be following a, a similar trajectory, I guess. Um, so I think that was that was important, but they were also very keen about using strengths locally and being very asset-based, which would make things slightly different in areas, which is always the way it's going to be, and, and people were mindful of that. Um, but really, one of the things that we felt came out of the research was that there could be a lot more sharing of best practice between areas, between teams, between professions. And there there were different pockets where things were happening and that really needed to be shared across the board. So what about sharing the findings from this study then? Where is that up to sort of right now? How can people sort of find out about the project and the study and, you know, what's happening with the with the report? Um, well, the the core of this is the, the two reports that we've uh, we've produced. Um, one is the uh, rapid literature review, which talks about what we know about the integration, and that's looking at what integration globally, but also across uh, the rest of the UK. The there is also the the actual evaluation of the uh, in the study itself, the process evaluation, which both those are available on the uh, on the Clark website. We're, of course, also doing academic presentations, aren't we? We are. So we will be presenting this at the Health Services Research UK conference later on in the summer this year. And we will be presenting it as a poster and also presenting it um, with slides as well, just giving people a bit of an overview of of what we've found. And obviously the intention is that we will um, publish this in an academic journal as well. Fantastic. So as a final sort of thought then, how do you feel the services that have been involved um, have benefited or will benefit from being involved in this project? Well, I can answer that because um, we've recently done a number of presentations, um, some jointly with our uh, partner to talk about, and, and in that we talk about the findings and they talk about um, how they're using the findings and what that means going forward. Um, so I think this is a really nice model to use. I think as far as possible, it would be good to continue doing these presentations where we and the partner can stand by side by side and have a conversation uh, in, a, in front of a group where we talk about these, um, not just the findings, but what they mean and how they can be used. Um, I think also we are um, looking at how we develop this going forward because obviously when you find these things, um, integration is a long-term process. So this is going to take many years for these things to, to bed in uh, and the same process is happening across all across, certainly all across England. Um, so 
I think there's a lot more we can do to try and de- develop these findings and use these findings to improve and enhance the process. So our partner organisation are really interested in looking at this again at another time point because they found the information so helpful and they would like to take that as a baseline and then look at further change going forward. So that is a really nice bit of feedback mm. really from the project that they want to carry on and do more research with us in the future. And from... This might seem like an obvious and slightly silly question given what you've just said, but from um, the ultimate you know, beneficiaries of this work, of the integration work, is people, service users, patients, however we choose to define them in sort of the future. Given what you've uncovered in this project and given kind of what you learned, from your perspective, what ultimately do you think the benefit to recipients of care, if I can call it like that, mm-hmm. um, probably not the right language either (laughs) Um, but for those people that receive care at any point in this integration process what do you feel the key takeaways for 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 they are for them are so as you say the whole purpose of this model of integration is about benefiting the people who need health or social care services and that was a part of this research that we didn't look into But going forward, we would very much like to involve those receiving care in the process and speak to them about how they're finding things. And obviously, you know, as it is in line with the vision that people were very clear on, the idea is that people will have a much more streamlined involvement with health health and social care services. They might... Um, be having to repeat their stories about what's happened to them a lot less often. And we also hope that people will really be guided in terms of the self-help and prevention approach. So the idea is that people will have other resources, they will know what services to tap into, they will have somebody who's really aware of their, their situation and be able to pull in relevant professionals. And really, the idea is that there should be less unplanned hospital admissions, which is one of the measures of integration. Um, But that is the idea that people will be very well supported in the community um, and, and hopefully have better health outcomes or social care outcomes because of it. Yeah, Um, that's absolutely right. And I think the, what's striking about this particular um, research project, and I'm thinking this alongside the other projects that we do within Clark and within um, the programme, is that sometimes these things are about commissioning and these things are kind of, they're not back office, but they're removed from what patients experience, whereas this is one where it's the, the litmus test is very clear. If patients can feel, patients, service users uh, can feel the difference, um, then it's a success. So it really is about how it feels at the, at the front line. So it's a really big thank you to Damien and to Claire for sharing their insight with us about the Mint project. And you can find out all about the project, including looking at the evaluation report at the Clark Greater Manchester website. And that's the end of this episode. If you've enjoyed it and you've enjoyed our previous episodes, please remember to subscribe and to review and rate this podcast in the Apple Podcast Store to help us reach more people. Join us again for another episode of the Clark Greater Manchester podcast, where we'll be talking about the people, projects and concepts that are right at the heart of our work. The Collaboration for Leadership in Applied Health Research and Care, Clark Greater Manchester, is a partnership between the providers and commissioners from the NHS, industry, the third sector and the University of Manchester.
The views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and are not necessarily those of the NIHR or the Department of Health and Social Care.